What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales podcast. We are coming to you today courtesy of our sponsors, Lead411.com and Gong.io. Super grateful for their support. And we are here today with James Kakis, who is the co-founder of the Pre-Sales Collective, also was, was and is the founder of Chicago Pre-Sales Community. He also works for Salesforce as a senior manager, manufacturing solution engineering which is a mouthful. It James, is. thanks for joining Richard and I here today. Yeah, Scott Richard, really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, let's talk about that because you sort of forced your way onto the show, <laughs> right? You, you could say yeah. that I forced it, my way. I, I keep saying that I did good outreach. Yes, you did good outreach by basically calling Richard and I out saying, hey, uh, how come you guys never have any you know, sales engineers on the show? We are, we're people too. Right. That's, that so, is what I did. Thank you. So here you are. So <laughs> let's uh, let's start with this for, for people who might not know. What the hell does pre-sales mean? Yeah, it's a great question. So pre-sales is a, a generic term that usually means your sales engineering, your solutions engineering, value consulting, uh, solutions architect role in your tech industries and in non-tech roles as well. Now, for whatever reason, it's always been called pre-sales, but as technology has expanded, sometimes it's working with customers, it's working, you know, partnering with onboarding and implementation, but it is that technical resource that's usually involved in your sales cycle. Right. And that, I'm glad you mentioned that part, the technical resource involved yeah. in the sales cycle, because I, 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 I would wager that there's people who don't even know what the word sales engineer means. Yeah, I agree. How... Give a, a really easy example of like, how would a technical support sales engineer person aid a sales cycle? Like if I'm the rep, yeah. when would I need you? For anybody who might not know the content. Yeah. So let's talk about maybe two examples. If we're talking like a simple sale, right? So if you have a product that is not very technically deep, your account executives typically doing a lot of the demos but it might get to a conversation where they need to talk about integration. And that is where your sales engineer would come in and talk about the ecosystem, how the products fit together, how the solution fits in the larger scheme of things. You also have other companies who have very complex product sets and you can't expect your account executives and your sales leaders to be able to be able to articulate the value each and every time, right? There's a lot of moving pieces. So the SEs will do a lot of the discovery um, and demo once things have been qualified. Right. So for instance, big company like Salesforce, Oracle, SAP, you have sales engineers who come in, will do a technical discovery and do a lot of the demos in the sales process. Why don't, why don't you think that more <clears throat> earlier stage startups have sales engineers? You think it's just a budget kind of thing? I speak from experience in that, yeah. in that I really wanted to have mm -hmm. a sales engineer or two on staff. Uh, for for exactly the reasons that you're talking about, yeah, tons of integrations and just like mm -hmm. complexity, and I'm like, look, there is no way our AEs are going to be able to, you know, right, to have these kind of technical conversations. And the the hack was, well, well, let's just get our CTO involved, yeah, right. <laughs> let's just get our, yeah. our chief product guy involved. That was right. the hack, right? right. It, so, how come? the role doesn't exist in very many early stage orgs. Yeah. At least I think that it doesn't. And 
how does a sales leader like myself do a better mm-hmm. job of articulating the value and, and getting yeah. budget for this particular hire? Yeah. So, so let me back channel or back up a little bit is that I was the first SE hire at two different companies where companies were about 70 to hundred employees before they brought in a first sales engineer. And I think the reason is, is that the SC sometimes it is. And I got a lot of opinions on, on why it should be earlier and how you can actually make it earlier and, and, and have better, you know, synergy, you know, between pre-sales and post-sales. Um, but the reason is, I think it's hard to quantify and it's, it's an industry that is still hard to quantify no matter how big you are right? Because sometimes people look at pre-sales resources as some costs because you're looking at someone who doesn't carry a quota. They're driving revenue, but they're a support in driving that revenue. Now, especially early stage companies, at least ones that I've worked on, you know, the product was not technical enough that you needed somebody super technical to come in right away. The AEs could take the deal far enough and then the SEs could support 10 people, 15 people. But if you look at some other companies that are extremely technical right off the bat, you can't ask your account executive to have those conversations. You can't ask your, te- your account executive to pull in your CTO for each and every conversation. That's not scalable. So if you think about a technical resource like a pre-sales engineer, you know, the first hire, in my opinion, should be a pre-sale, post-sale consultant. Someone who helps sell on the pre-sale side of things, does demos, technical discovery, um, technical integration, maybe some proof of concept, and then also helps in the onboarding, right? That to me is like, that's a no brainer on the hire. You want to hire someone to onboard and to get customers up and running if you're not using partner, but why wouldn't you have them come on the sales side of things? That's actually how I started my career. We didn't have pre-sales resources. I worked in post-sales, as a customer engagement manager. I learned the competition so well. I knew the product so well. They'd pull me on pre-sales calls and say, hey, talk about this. And that was how I actually got into pre-sales personally. Do you think... So, so when should they get it? Right. Is it, I mean, I, you know, I know it's a depends, Yeah. you know, let's, let's say it's a, some level of complexity that, that the AE shouldn't be spending their mm-hmm. time on. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be the most complex, yeah. you know, SOC compliance conversation, right? Like yeah. all that stuff. At what stage is it a revenue stage yeah. is it an employee size is it the number of deals? Like, where do you think that? I, I think it gets, and I'm taking a little different stance on this. If you as an account executive are losing credibility with your buyers, it's probably time to have a solutions engineer come into, come into fray. What does that sound like? If, if, because now, because again, you're talking about sounds like mostly an earlier stage mm-hmm. company, but it could be later okay. stage. What is cr- that lack of, you know, what is the AE going in to say to their VP of sales or their CEO founder? saying, I don't have credibility. Yeah. Like they're not believing me because I'm a sales yeah. guy. And I, I think it depends uh, on the buyer, right? So if you're selling sales tech to, to VPs of sales, you might be able to get a little bit further. But if you have a place where, you know, an IT is administering this or you have to get clarification or sign off from a CIO or a CTO, you know, at the end of the day, no matter how good of a salesperson you are, you typically need that help, right? Whether it's your frontline sales leader, your CRO, your, you know, CTO, whoever it might be, you can take that conversation pretty far, but there just has to be someone who can speak that language. Now, if you look at it in terms of vertical specific products, right? If there are products that really sell to like manufacturing, right? I I sell to manufacturers, you know, your account executive, you're not teaching them to know the industry inside and out, right? That's just not it. 
And that account executive can only go far enough in that industry specific topic. So you can bring in your, your pre-sales resource to be that subject matter expert, to have that conversation, to build credibility, to say, Hey, this company knows what the hell that they're doing. And these guys and, and girls know exactly what we need. And so that trust gets built. And I think, and let me, let me say one thing too. It's also really hard to ask an account executive to set meetings, you know, manage all the resources, do the discos, do the demos, have, you know, a bit of, of depth into the product, go ask for money and negotiate at the same time across dozens potentially of opportunities. Like that's just not scalable. What, so I have two questions. So the first question is how often, and, and I don't know if you have this experience, do you think the current technical founder, mm-hmm. CEO, uh, ego gets in the way of hiring a sales engineer? Not that, hey, you know, I don't value them, but it's still their baby and they're just not ready to let someone else because they know that 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 sales engineer, that pre-sales guy or woman may come in and say, hey, we need to look at this differently than what the, the founder thinks. Yeah. Do you think that ego gets in the way? I mean, I think it can, right? If you have a, especially a technical founder who's not as product focused and wants to be on those sales calls, yeah, they're going to say, I'm going to jump in. I was actually just talking on my podcast to someone who's a co-founder of his own product and he was an SE and he was saying how he would just jump into calls forever because he had scaling issues with his pre-sale team. But again, it goes to scale. It's just not possible. And you can have your, your co-founder go and handle the, the big seven, eight figure deals, whatever they might be but you can't have your co-founder uh, on, you know, very small deals that you're probably losing money on based off customer acquisition costs. Cool. So I have, I've actually have two more questions. I'll turn it back to Scott. My next question is, um, have you ever been a, you know, through your own engagement mm-hmm. and not intentionally mm-hmm. lost the deal? Like you did something that lost the deal. Cause yeah. these are big deals. You're not comped on whether it closes mm-hmm. or not more or less. But yeah. all of a sudden there's this pressure on you. And I, and I want to say mm-hmm. that because I, that's the part, you know, people need to understand like, this is the value of you is that you may not be yeah. confident on it, but you also know like, fuck, oh, yeah. this $300,000 deal doesn't close and it's on me. Yeah. You got just as much pressure. Yeah. Oh, and I will say like, there's definitely been meetings where I've walked in and it's been an executive demo. You're talking to the C-suite. You're talking to people who make a decision and I just fucked the demo, right? Like, it's like you, your talk track was wrong. You, you spoke to in the weeds. They asked a couple high level questions that you should have hit with some value. And you were just like talking about like features. Like that happens. Like that's happened to me. That's probably happened to everyone in my position. You have to hope that you're, you're strong enough in your sales process that you can get through that, right? Like that's the hope is that, all right, we just blew this demo, but did we blow the deal? In some cases, absolutely, right? It's highly competitive situations, absolutely. I've been there, that sucks. You know, I'm comped on, you know, typically SEs are comped on sales numbers. We don't carry the quota though, right? We don't live and die by that number, which is, you know, a little bit less stressful, but there's absolutely stress on, on those demos. I appreciate you asking that question and the answer is yes, it's happened. So, so here's my next question. What's the difference, and there could be a couple of answers to this, what's the difference between a sales demo and this pre-sales or sales engineering demo? Hmm. So, you know, I don't want to say it depends on the product, but I think that it does. Now, what I have seen work best in my career- <laughs> You contradict yourself. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I know, I know. Give me, give me a chance. Give me a chance. So what I think 
tends to work the best is when you have your account executive talk about how they use the product in their day-to-day. Let's talk about real life value. Like let's talk about, all right, customer or all right, prospect. This is how I use my product. I do this, I do this, I do this, and it brings me value here, 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 and here. The SC should be able to come in and do art of the possible, right? I know that your business needs A, it needs B, it needs C, and based off your objectives and goals this year and your pains, you know, we need X, Y, and Z. And it's my job to be able to paint a little bit of that art of the possible so that when I'm given that presentation, you know, I'm, I'm in the product that's resonating with you. And you're like, oh shit, like my life would be so much better with this product. And when I think you have the best motion is when the SE is talking about the value of the story and then your account executives coming over top and selling value, right? Selling value throwing out stories, throwing out use cases, and that co-selling, anyone who's ever worked with me knows that I love that damn word, that co-selling is really good for a good customer experience at the end of the day. How, how good of a salesperson does a sales engineer need? Yeah. Like what's the yeah. thing? If I was like trying to take, you know, five parts salesperson, yeah. two parts CS person, three yeah. parts engineer, like how, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, how, do I, how do I get a the good sales engineer? I think this is why this, this it's a great question, right? And I'm, as an SCI, I say I'm only allowed to say great question one time. Sorry, Richard, I used it on Scott. So um, I think what is so interesting about this role is that you, it's all over the place, right? You have some people who are like a five out of five on technical and really don't have many sales skills. You have some people who are five out of five on sales skills and are like that co-pilot, right? They're in these deals being a true co-pilot and your sales strategy together. In my mind, it's a bit of like three, three parts sales, two parts technical. And the reason being is because you need to know how things work up, you know, up and down, inside and out. At the end of the day, you need to be able to articulate value. And, you, and as an SE, as a good SE, you, you bring in healthy friction to your deal. You say, hey, look, like you got happy years right now. This is what I'm hearing because I'm working with, you know, Susan over here and Susan just told me this on this other deal and I'm seeing this landmine here, right? Like that part is where I think is where the industry continues to go. And I'm trying not to give it, it depends on the product answer, but that's where I would say a general response. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very helpful. Um, I actually have another question. I love the question. For the sales engineers who might still be listening to this, right? Yeah. Are they rolling their eyes going, oh my God, Richard and Scott are asking some pretty academic questions because <laughs> we're so sales minded, no. right? Or, and they're going, oh my God, they're freaking stupid about sales engineering, mm-hmm. which I'm happy to admit, I don't have an issue with that. So I'm just, I'm just curious, like. They're saying are finally. We the norm? Are we the they're norm? Saying, I wouldn't say it's necessarily norm but it's, it's kind of finally, right? Like we need to be having these conversations and this is why I reached out to you guys because this role is really important. Like we need to support our salespeople because I think what I've learned the most in my career and you guys probably know this as well, the difference between like average and good and great and phenomenal salespeople, like there's a, can be a big discrepancy and it's not always on the talent, right? It's on the organization, it's on the product. There's a lot of factors at play. Um, and these pre-sales resources are, you know, I always say like the, 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 the rising tide floats all boats, right? Because it's, it's the conversations we need to be having. So like to Scott's point earlier, companies are like, oh, we haven't invested in a pre-sales person. We probably need that person to, to join and can maybe, you know, focus on proof of concepts early on 
and these deals are going to close, you know, 18% faster, you know, whatever it might be. These are the conversations we need to have. And I appreciate you guys asking these questions because it's, it's an awareness. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be super helpful. I think to a lot of sales leaders out there in in particular, Uh, if I go backwards a little bit, sure. How do I hire? How do how do I vet and hire and interview yeah. an SE? What are the? This is like basic SE yeah. 101. Mm-hmm. Like you said, people are saying finally. So I'm going to go back to the beginning. Yeah. Like, if I'm interviewing, mm-hmm. how do I make sure that I'm hiring? You know, the superior candidate or the excellent yeah. one versus the mediocre one. How do you interview for an SE? So taking a step back, you evaluate what your sales cycle looks like. You evaluate what your buyer's journey looks like and you understand what your account executive should be doing and what your solutions engineer should be doing, right? And if if you're in a, a sales process where everything is going to proof of concept, you need someone who can get in there, do a little bit of training. They can go, they can be salesy at the same time and speak to value. If you so, so okay. can, I, can I interrupt you there for a second? Sure, sure. So is that a case where I would say, um, <clears throat> why don't you kind of demo me your prior, you know, product, the place where you were at before, so I can hear how you speak yeah. about things? Great question. So, damn it, I said great question. I used it twice. Yeah. I've lost yeah. credibility. I've lost credibility as an SE. So let me let me back up. Is that you're right. Now you, you want, you identify what you want your, your pre-sale or your technical resource to do, and then you build your sales process. Right. And you know, I think from my experience, we'll talk startups right now. A lot of people think that they want to work in startups, but they don't know what it's really like to work in startups. Right. It's, it's really hard. You got to wear a lot of hats. You got to be able to be nimble and do a lot of things when it comes to a sales process uh, or a sale, uh, sales engineering hiring process. That demo is part of every single interview that I've ever done. And I used to do it as like the final stage of like the panel. And I've realized that so many people do not know how to articulate value. And I never ask anyone to say, Hey, here's my product, go learn it for a day and then pitch it to me. No. What are you doing now? What are you selling now? I want you to present in one hour to me. You can paint the scenario. You can paint the picture. Tell me who I am. Tell me my challenges. Tell me my persona and go and give people that green grass, right? Cause then you need to be able to understand how they're going to be able to articulate value. Now, during, <clears throat> during the interview process, I'm wondering how important it might be for AEs to participate in the interview Ooh. process because that Ooh. relationship, I would imagine, needs yes. to be a very, very good one, right? Yeah, and in my experience- That's a great I question, know- Scott. See, Richard just question. used his. Um, That's three. That's three. Richard used his. Um, in my experience, I don't bring in my account executive to my hiring process because there's too many biases or too many desires of like, I want this person to do this. This person might push back on me. So I, I involve a sales leader in my demo presentation. And then if I have a couple of candidates that have made it to the final and we, are, we can't decide on who we wanna bring in, we bring in our sales leader, right? Because at the end of the day, it's on me, right? It's my responsibility to, to hire and to fire and to make sure those people are performing. And every once in a while, a, a sales leader might have a differing opinion on what they need, right? And what kind of skill that they want, which is why I said in the beginning, you kind of identify what you want these activities to be so that you're on the same. To clarify, you're managing other eight SEs right now. 
in, right. in this, in this, yeah, I am. I, I've been managing SEs for, for quite some time. But yes, if I was the first SE, which I was a couple of times, I usually reported to the VC, VP of sales, CRO, co-founder, president. Um, I needed someone who could get in there and, or I was technically someone who was business savvy enough, technical enough, and could get in there and move our deals forward. Yeah. So let's, let's flip it on the hiring process, if Scott doesn't mind. I'm an SE and I want to go work at, a, a really hot startup, Gong, Outreach, Sales Loft, mm-hmm. right? Um, what what do I need to be presenting? Yeah. Because you know you're presenting to this sales leader, and to your point, you said, but I, mean, I think it's fair to say, James, you're a very dynamic person. Not every person who is sort of mm-hmm. engineering minded has that same sort of swagger that a salesperson gravitates to, or a right. sales leader. And I, I, I'd be concerned that the bias that a sales leader has for that sort of, hey, they focus too much on the word sales and not enough on engineer. So how does that sales engineer present themselves better, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn, just on their profile mm-hmm. or in the interview process? What tips do you give to those people? Yeah, I, I think you really have to understand what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and what that company is looked for. I have seen a lot of people who've been like, I really want to go to the startup. And they've been selling the most technical products for most of their career. You're not going to do well there, right? Like they need that business person. Uh, so what is, but what are, what are the strengths? And like, again, and I'm almost asking because I don't know. And I'm, yeah. you know, to hire an SE, but like, okay, this is what a, a, a VP of sales or CRO would want to hear about as a strength. And, yeah. and at least acknowledge that this isn't your, your wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, I would say the way I look at this role is someone who could be a customer centric problem solver. They're at the intersection of customer and solutions. So for instance, I'm in a deal and this person will know what is best for the customer, what's best for the organization and can advocate them for them while also understanding how the product works together, right? How things plug and play. Now, that being said, I think what makes good SEs is you need someone to have decent presentation skills, right? You got to be able to present at the end of the day, because you're probably going to present to a C level at some point. You need to have curiosity, right? You need to be able to ask questions. You need to be able to dig to understand how the product fits in that puzzle. And you also have to have this kind of team player collaboration component, because a lot of times sales engineers, solutions engineers, early stage startup, they work with sales. They work with customer success. They work with product. They work with product marketing. And so you have to be able to wear all those hats. And you actually, you know, in my opinion, especially early stage, you got to be a self-starter. I tell people, you got to be a self-starter who can kind of go in there. You know, CRO is going to say, hey, I have maybe never managed this resource in my life. I need you to just go. Like, that's how I started my career. And I'm very fortunate, right? But that's typically what you need in these early stages, at least from my perspective. Now, now, where do you go in your career? You're, you're an SE. Yeah. I assume there's like senior SE, then you're, <laughs> then you're an SE manager. You're a senior manager. Yep. I assume there's vice president of sales engineer out there, there somewhere, yep. right? There um, however, if I'm, if I'm looking at it, startup land, right? Um, the career path is kind of obvious and I feel like I can stay in startup land if I'm a salesperson mm-hmm. and I want to be a VP mm-hmm. of sales, I can stay here. Mm-hmm. 
it feels impossible to me to stay in a small organization in startups <clears throat> if I decide to kind of career path out yes, the yes. sales engineer role, right? Yeah. Like you're not going to, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. you're not going to be like a, a VP of sales engineer at an early stage startup managing a team of a hundred because there's no small company right. that's like right. that, right? You're sort of stuck for yes. lack of a better, better word. Like you're sort of stuck in the Salesforce and Oracles and all these huge orgs, right? Are you not? Am I wrong? Um, you're mostly correct, but there's been a little bit of a shift the last couple of years, right? Good. And this is a little bit newer, right? Um, you know, you might be a sales engineer, a senior solutions engineer, a lead principal. Typically, like this, what happened to me, I was a manager. I had a team of seven and then I became a director with like 14 or 15. And then I help have global responsibilities, right? You could be a global director of 25 people, 30 people in, a, in an early stage startup, depending on what that is. Now, um, to your point, there are companies out there, like I was talking to a pre-sale leader yesterday who has 1,500 direct reports. He is the global worldwide solutions consulting leader at a big company. The global leader in most direct reports for a VP of anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's pretty big. Um, but to your point, I think this is where we're starting to see a shift. And what I mentioned earlier is I think the intersection of pre-sales and post-sales and making sure your customer journey is, is critical is you're starting to see pre-sales people potentially take over post-sale, right? Take over onboarding. And so you have the ability in an early stage company to own the pre-sales organization and own the post-sale organization. Now, what if that is being dubbed at in some organization is customer solutions, which are your pre-sales resources, your post-sale onboarding people, and sometimes your support people. And so you are, you know, if you think about the customer touch points, that point of continuity and having that all under the same house is critical, right? Yeah. And that's like, those are some of the things that we're trying to do with pre-sales collective, right? Is being able to say, Hey, look, there is a career path here. There is a yeah. journey here. And you're, and you're also trying to say, well, just because I've maybe never done or held this particular title or role doesn't mean that I can't do it. Right. So yes. that leads me into my next question is like, how hard is it going to be now or in the future for somebody like yourself to cross the chasm, if you will, and be a VP of sales or a VP of customer success? Because you understand a particular part of the buying experience and the customer yes. journey and all this kind of stuff. That should not preclude you from running the whole. Yeah. Right. Well, it's it's very. It's a very interesting question because the, the knock on sales engineers is we don't carry a quota. We don't carry a bag. So, you know, how could you actually be a VP of sales? But at the same time, I have heard of some organizations that are exploring like chief strategy officer, chief sales officer being someone who comes from pre-sales. Okay, okay. So do you think not carrying a quota should preclude you from being I, a VP of sales? I don't think so. But as you guys kind of mentioned earlier, I think as you start thinking about that persona of a VP of sales, you do start to weed out some of the sales engineering. Persona. Okay. So now follow up question. Why don't you just sign up for a quota? It's not my, it's, it, it, that is a good, that question is not decided by me. I use good. I use good. I almost said that was a good question. Hold on, James. Don't give me the, uh, it's, past no. your, it's past your pay grade answer. You no, run, it's not. You run it's a not. community of thousands of pre-sales people, right? Yeah. 
How come yeah. all of you don't unionize, for lack of a better word, and say, <laughs> give me a goddamn quota so I can make more money and so I can get rid of this potential obstacle to me being a head of yeah. staff? I mean, this is part of the things and part of the questions and conversations we're trying to attack with Pre-Sales Collective. It's like, you know, I worked with someone who made 600K and I, I'm friends with him now, but I'm like, man, I did so much of your work and I didn't get paid much of that, right? That's, um, a, that's a AE that made 600K? Right. He did. He did. But, you know, he, he lived, lived and died by his quota, right? He, he gets hired and fired for not hitting that number. I would say that there are some bigger companies out there that go quota based on their SEs. Um, I would say like my current company, we're not quota based, right? It's like attainment numbers. I think that I've seen it in IBM. I think um, bigger companies like ServiceNow and Oracle might have teams that are like that. But that said, like it's typically not a decision by pre-sales folks. I would not mind, and let me just kind of preface this. I wouldn't mind putting my team on a quota if it meant that we got to make those earnings. Now that said, if you put me on a quota that was like one-to-one, -one, that's easier. But a lot of times pre-sales folks are in one-to-three, one-to-five, one-to-seven ratios. And it just gets a little bit dicier. And to be honest, I don't know that that is a conversation that many pre-sales executives are saying, hey, we want the quota, we want the pay, we want the comp. That's a shame. Just wait till, just wait till Benioff hears that, man. He's gonna, you're just, <laughs> Just screwed over everybody in sales engineering over at Salesforce. Oh, our comp plan, I mean, look, at the end of the day at Salesforce, great, great company for pre-sales and, and solutions engineering, but like comp wise, like I'm not even comped on how my specific team or even my region is paid. It's, it's, it's really quite interesting. But they, take, they take care of you in other ways, I know. They, they absolutely do. My mind, my mind is melting. My mind is absolutely melting. Richard, he just said that the executives are not signing up to carry a, to carry quotas. I know. Well, we, we, so I've never heard that before from, from other department heads. Shocking. Right. We never, we never hear from product marketing or marketing in general. So I literally, a guy was just texting me a minute ago and he was like, Hey, you know, I like your idea about case studies. And I said, yeah, well, you know, be sure when you have them write them that it's added to their compensation program. So, um, <laughs> That's what like marketing that. needs to do. Um, let's say, you know, where does someone even sort of start? Let's say I'm a, you know, I'm an SDR, or I'm a, you mm -hmm. know, maybe I'm not doing great as an SDR, but I have this technical chop, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, moving into sales is very different than I think moving mm -hmm. into sales engineering and pre-sales. How does one decide they like it? How does one even get started if you've never had the experience? Yeah. If I've worked with many of SDRs in early stage companies who think, Hey, I don't, was that a great question? Just got to ask. I'm not using that anymore. I'm done. I mean, Richard, I'd give it to you if you, if you want. So, um, I've worked with a lot of SDRs and, and BDRs who wanted to go in the rank. They didn't want to carry the quota. They didn't want to go to SMB or mid-market sales, but they wanted to work in the product. They were obsessed with the product. They liked the product. They would get into it, play with it understand how it works and the value. And they were more interested in that component. And what I did at previous companies, we started an associate program. So getting into pre-sales generally, cause you don't want to just waste that. I don't want to say waste. You don't want to utilize that resource on somebody really junior to start. You typically, when you're, you're hiring and you're a smaller company, you need someone who's got the experience, got the chops to do so. And so you kind of create an associate program where someone kind of takes that stepping stone and then kind of work behind the scenes instead of being as customer facing. 
Um, there are bigger companies, again, the Salesforce, the Oracles, VMware, that have feeder programs where people that were SDRs or coming out of college say, hey, I want to get in this pre-sale role. They go to these academies. They essentially get trained deep dive for six months, and then they get thrown out into the field. But again, this is like why like, I stumbled into pre-sales. Most people stumble into this role. They've been salespeople who don't want to carry quota. They've been in customer success, but they, they want to get more into the sales side of things. They're technical product managers and they want to get in sales. That is what I've seen kind of shift. Yeah. Um, couple little, little things. And then I know we need to wrap up. Uh, what questions should we be asking you? Depends on how, how, you know, again, if, if there are other sales leaders who've never hired one, what, what's something else we should be asking you about this? I think you should be asking why do I need this and how do I measure this? Because if you got to go to, your organization and you're putting too much stress on your salespeople, you're putting too much on their plates to move deals forward and you need the additional resources. You can't continue to rely on the CTO. You can't rely on the CIO, the product manager. So how do you measure it? Well, this, this is like this, this golden component, right? Of this organ of this role that we like, even in pre-sales collective, we're still trying to help define for the industry. Typically of you look at win rate matching, right? If I have a pre-sales resource on a deal, does it close? faster? Does it close more generally? Yes or no. Does the deal close faster? And is the deal larger? Like those are the three measures to say, if this resource is on here, you know, will deals close bigger, faster? Um, and will that will, and then let me take a step back. And then how about volume, right? That account executive who has the SE, are they closing more because they have an SE resource? And I think those are usually the building blocks that most companies look at. But this again is part of the, the, the plague of this industry and of this profession is that there are no standards. Um, we're working with a couple of companies that have been focusing on this to say, hey, how do you quantify your pre-sales organization? That's really good. What, um, talk a little bit more about the pre-sales collective just so people understand yeah. it and, and who should be looking at it or joining yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So the, and I appreciate the, the question. So the Pre-Sales Collective is the first global community for this profession, right? You guys are super involved, do a lot of things for account executives, sales leaders, uh, BDRs. There's not those resources out there for pre-sales folks. And the Pre-Sales Collective, presalescollective.com is a community that has a blog. It has an ongoing webinar series. It has a podcast. We actually are doing a conference for leaders and it is a place to go to connect with other professionals because as we've talked about this, this, this profession is just so all over the place that we need to try to streamline it. If you want it to have a seat at the table, you need to set some industry standards. You need to set some benchmarks out there. Now, what's also interesting about this is we have a Slack community that we started and we have 1600 people in three months. Like this thing grows by the day. People are joining because sales engineers typically want to collaborate with other people. They want to learn from other people. You know, for me, example, like when I was in startups, I was, I was reporting to sales leaders and they didn't know that much about pre-sales. So I had to rely on my network and my community about how I built my team, how I built my organization, how I scaled, the hiring questions that you ask. Those resources don't exist. And so that yeah. is why this community does, does exist. Can I push, can I push back? Push. Like a push. fraction, James? Yeah. First of all, I think it's wonderful that you built a micro community specifically for pre-sales. Mm. I give you all the kudos and praise in the world for that. Here's my pushback. Um, I heard you say that, you know, some of these communities, 
don't exist for pre-sales. And I interpret it as like, there's no space for pre-sales or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. okay, we have Revenue Collective, Rev Genius, Sales mm -hmm. Hacker, mm -hmm. Thursday Night Sales, our Surf and Sales community. Mm -hmm. I would argue that nobody from the pre-sales community makes an effort to build relationships with some of us and involve themselves in these yeah. communities. You are the first person for me who has reached out to me in yes. any way who mm -hmm. is in pre-sales and said, hey, motherfucker, give me a seat at the table. Yep. Hey, I'm here. I've hosted 31 straight weeks of Thursday night sales. Mm -hmm. I've had zero questions about pre-sales. Mm -hmm. So why, why can't you just show up to all these other sales communities and be like, yeah. I'm here, I'm a part of this. So, so that, that, part, that's my pushback. Yeah. Pushback. I love that. I love that. So I would say for one, you know, we got to be better, right? Like this is help why I started this community is because I felt like we needed a seat at the table and, and I'm one of the people that will, will push for it. Right. And you know, not everyone's afraid, not everyone's willing to take that first step, right? And to, to put their name out there and put themselves out there and say, hey, like, we need this, we deserve this, we want this. So like, I've personally taken that upon myself to do that. So um, I do say and would say that a lot of pre-sales individuals feel like they've been outcasted by the organizations. And this is why we created the niche group. And, and hear me out. You have enablement sessions. Um, I worked in sales enablement, right? And enablement is to my core. And you have sales, you have organizations that enable your sales team and your BDRs. And they tell the technical people, oh, go figure it out, right? You go talk to product. You guys are smart. You guys figure it out. And there's all these programs that have in organizations and none are geared to pre-sales folks. And so I think when you, when you look at that and you compound it over years and you look at the content that comes out, you know, look, there's content that you guys put out that, that would resonate with, with sales engineers, no doubt. But I feel like we feel like we just get lumped in and we're left behind, which is why we created the niche community. And so Scott, like what I'll tell you is, you know, we're, we're looking at success, you know, next year, three years, five years, 10 years. So I hope we can look back and say, hey, remember that conversation when you said I was the first person that reached out? You've had dozens and dozens of people that reached out. So there's just gotta be a start. And I think that our profession is just generally behind because we've, we've, we've lacked vision, structure, frameworks to get this done, right? And uh, I think that's where we're trying to go. So your point is absolutely valid and we gotta do better. That was really good. That, that was a great conversation. So. I appreciate you guys having me on. And, and This is, um, this is I, the title I, of the show, the greatest <laughs> conversation <laughs> on surf and sales. The title of the show should just be, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. It's actually like my favorite episode in a really long time. And, cool. and, here, and here's why. It's because I don't know shit about this world. Mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. never was able to hire uh, a sales engineer. Only once did I work somewhere where I really felt that I could, could need one. So this mm -hmm. is like super informative for me. Sure. And uh, I'm really glad that you called Richard and I out and pestered your way onto the show. And yeah. uh, I look forward to, to staying in touch with you, man. And, and, yeah. and yeah. learning more from you. And what's the best way for uh, people to reach out to you? Give everybody the, the website or the. Yeah. PreSalesCollective.com is the community, but I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, James Kakis, K-A-I-K-S. I live on LinkedIn. It's my most active social media. 
Uh, I'm on there. I'm super engaged, super involved, happy to continue conversations, get into some debates. Um, I just appreciate having this conversation, yeah. having the opportunity to. Let, uh, let Richard and I know, James, if we can ever be helpful for the pre-sales yeah. community in, in, in any way. Maybe there's some, uh, you know, questions that folks in your community have. Yeah. For people like us who, you know. I, I'm going to take you guys up on that. So I, I, I absolutely am going to take you guys up on that. So. Stop this time, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks a lot for uh, spending some time with us uh, yep. in James Richard and I enjoyed it yeah. and uh, big thanks once again to our sponsors gong.io and lead411.com for all your data and sales intelligence needs check them out see you next time everybody thanks everyone thanks James thank you